today we read in Galatians 4 about who we are in Christ. This is God's word. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. And you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. For I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. 
for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Amen. And we are thankful today to God for his word. If we were to put our hands up today at this question, I wonder how many hands would go up. How many of you have responded to the adverts that you see almost on a daily basis for the Sun Life Over 50 plan? All summer, me and my daughters have been watching the adverts every single morning. We love to watch the Pioneer Woman when we're on our holidays. And we never make any of our stuff. We just like to watch the show. And usually in the ad breaks, it's the Sun Life Over 50 plan. Have you got yours yet? No? Well, you should. You should ring them. Alan Titchmarsh, Partney, all that sort of stuff. And it almost makes me jealous that I'm not yet over 50 because I'll be honest, I've seen it that much. I want to pick up the phone and I want my free partner pen just for ringing up and getting the plan. I think we watch stuff like that and it, and it strikes a chord because all of us like to think that we've got our, our affairs in a row. We, we like to think that everything is in order. When we examine our lives, we've got the pension sorted out, don't we? Uh, and we know where all the stuff is kept. It's in under the stairs in that big metal box. And tell your Uncle Sammy about that. He's in charge of all my affairs. We like to think, don't we, that, that we've done well in life. We've, we've got our forever home. We're not going to move again. We, we don't need to move. We've got a lovely home, four bedrooms, big conservatory, lovely garden. This will do us our day. We've had our career. We do all our, our working life. We get to the point where we retire and people cry and wave us off and the pass a wee carriage clock. Everything is in order. And we are obsessed, aren't we, about, about our status in life, climbing the ladder, being better than our parents, doing more than they accomplish. You see it all the time in those early morning adverts. If you've got PPI, check it out before it's too late. Have you got your over 50 plan? Have, have you got some money put aside for your funeral because funeral costs are going through the roof? I've seen it all. And yet none of those adverts and not much in life ever speaks to us about, about the most important thing. And you know what that is, don't you? Of course you do. You sit here every week and you read your own Bible. You know what that is. The most important thing of all is, is not your earthly status. It is not your record of achievement. It is not all your paperwork in that big metal box under the stairs. It's, it's not whether you've put enough aside for your family when your time comes to leave. It's not any of that. It's not any of those ticks and boxes that, that we are obsessed about. And, and in this past week, we saw some of our young people getting their, their results. And, and we buy into it in such an early age. It's about our results. Life is about results. And here Paul speaks to us in Galatians 4 and he says, that's not it. You see, once upon a time, you men and women, you were, you were slaves. You were under the elementary principles of this world. But, he says in verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive not a Parker pen for inquiring, not a nice wee certificate for taking part, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So that you and I, as insignificant as we are, as sinful as we are, through faith in Christ, might receive adoption as sons. Folks, that's probably nothing new to you. 
If you've never heard before about adoption as sons, then then I apologize to you if, if you honestly don't think you've ever heard about it. See me at the door, but, but I hope and I pray that it's, it's nothing new. You've heard it. But I pray for a few minutes this morning you would let it sink into your bones and you would realize that, that there's your significance. There's the importance in this life. Not all that other stuff that, that distracts. Not the career or the, the wayward family or the relationship that, that broke up, but, but this whether or not you and I have been adopted into the family of God by faith in Christ. Paul says here, the time came, Jesus arrived, he, he died, was under the law, but he did this so that we might receive adoption. And because you have been adopted, says Paul in verse 6, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We have this stamp of God on our lives. We have received the blessed Holy Spirit who is at work in us. It is the Holy Spirit who brings us from spiritual death. It is the Spirit who shakes us out of our slumber. It is the Spirit who says, wake up and receive Christ. And it is the Spirit who who we have received by faith. He comes and he lives in our lives. He grows us up in the faith. Brothers and sisters, through faith in Jesus, this is what you have received. And it's not wonderful. Nothing compares to that. Today you might think, well, I've got my affairs in order. I've done my exams. I've, I've got my career. I've got my family. I've ticked all the boxes. That's what life's all about, isn't it? Absolutely not. The most important issue, the most important part of, of life is whether or not we have read these verses and and whether we've received them by faith and, and come to be part of God's family by adoption as sons and daughters. See, this is what has happened to the men and women in Galatia. They have received the gospel. They have been adopted into the family of God. They have received this wonderful gospel of grace by faith. Things have been wonderful. And yet... Paul writes, and you almost sense him throughout chapter 4, shaking his head, just not understanding how it has got to this. Paul writes to rebuke these men and women because after having received the gospel of grace, they've started to go back the other way towards a gospel that is not a gospel at all. A gospel that says you must do this and this and this and this, or you're not right with God. And I know that when I was away, John was was making it clear to you what justification is. And our catechism tells us justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins. He accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Lots of words, but the Westminster divines hit the nail on the head. We have been saved. We have been declared righteous. We have had God's Uh, grace poured out upon us not by works but by faith alone and today we are seen as righteous in God's sight because Christ's righteousness has been credited to our account that's that fancy word imputed folks this is how we are saved and and somehow somehow these Galatians were going back somehow they were turning away from such a glorious gospel and wanting to go back to their chains. Wanting to go back to a place where they were slaves. 
Paul says in verse 8, Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Or in other words, says Paul, once upon a time you didn't know God and you were chasing after the false idols and false gods of this world. But now, verse 9, that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You sense with Paul, don't you? He just, how can this be? How can this be possible that, that you have been known by God and he knows what you are like? As I was saying to the boys and girls, he has, he has no regard for our record of achievement. The Lord does not care what, what our A-level results say or where we went to university or who we married or, or what house we bought and all those things that we think, there's my status. We have received Christ by faith. And it is extraordinary that these men and women in Galatia wanted to go back the way and wanted to become slaves again to the elementary principles of the world. Those who were Jews and who had come to embrace the gospel, well, they had received the law. They, they wanted to get back to that, back to the law, back to the old ways, back to, to doing the stuff. And those who were Gentiles and had not received the law in tablets of stone, but had received it written on their hearts and, and seen it in nature, well, the same thing. They were going back to those elementary principles. How can I be right with God? Work harder. Do better. How can I be made right in his sight? Well, well probably circumcision is going to have to be done. How am I going to be right in the eyes of this holy God? Well, have you followed all the rules and regulations? Have you looked after the days and the feasts and the dates and the calendars? Paul says that later on in verse 10. He says you observe days and months and seasons and years. How can this be? Paul is just utterly astounded that these men and women of faith want to depart from that faith and go back into chains. Folks, it makes no sense. And you and I are very wise and mature believers. We are men and women who, who would never ever struggle with such things. And yet often we are men and women who believe it. We are men and women who look in the mirror and we think to ourselves, well, well God can't possibly love me because my prayer life is a bit of a mess. There's no way I'm going to be saved because, well, I haven't read my Bible enough. And we take things that are good and we turn them into chains which drag us down. Folks, if you have ever wondered, does God really love me? Because grace sounds amazing, but it sounds too good to be true. If you've ever questioned it, ever believed that somehow the Lord one day is going to discover the missing page from your record of achievement and your name's going to be written out of that book, Paul would shake his head and remind you You've been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he speaks to you and he would say, Child of God, remember that at one time you were an alien and a stranger. Remember at one time you were far away from the Lord following all the nonsense in this world. But you remember Christ came. Christ died for your sin. Christ was raised for your justification. Remember Jesus came. And to remember you received him by faith. Do you remember? 
We're not good at remembering, sure we're not. We're men and women who, who base our lives on how we feel right now. And I'm not in good form right now, so, so things aren't good right now. And we forget about this wonderful gospel of grace where Paul says 20 years ago, just before you went to your bed and you prayed that the Lord would save you, do you remember that moment? Do you remember you were adopted into the family of God by faith, not by works? And do you remember that time you were in church? And you will remember this time. Do you remember? It was that one time that there was a really good sermon. Scott was on his holidays. It was John. Do you remember that time? And you remembered how much you were loved? Do you remember that sermon? See, folks, we forget all that stuff, don't we? It's not surprising that when the enemy attacks the believer, that's where he attacks. He attacks our assurance. He attacks our standing with the Lord. He seeks us to to believe the lie that says, well, the minister was right, you're in by grace, but you've got to stay in by works. You've got to work your hardest. You've got to do your best. You're not a very good Christian. And time after time and after time again, I meet believers who have absolutely no assurance. Because they have believed not the word of God that says they have been adopted into the family of God by faith. But they've believed the lies of the enemy who who seeks to keep them on their toes. Always doubting, always questioning if by any means he could pluck them out of Christ's hand. Folks, today if you are a believer who is struggling, getting it tight. And I can assure you, you will not find assurance in your record of achievement. You will not find assurance at the door of Alan Titchmark. You will not find peace by getting all your ducks in a row and getting all the certificates printed out. You will only find that assurance once again when you flee to Jesus. And you flee to him with nothing in your hands. Remember that. You have done him no favor. You flee to Jesus. Wretched sinner as you and I are, we run to Jesus, we flee to Jesus, and we remember that he receives us into his family by grace. Grace. God's favor upon us. Men and women who do not deserve it, but God's favor upon us. Grace upon grace upon grace. And so these Galatians, They wanted to go back, not to flee to Jesus, but instead to flee to the law, to flee to doing things, to flee to to going through ritual and and keeping days. And and, and that's so attractive, isn't it? Because as men and women, we we like that. We, We like certificates. We like being able to tick boxes. We, we like working through lists. And, and once we've got to the bottom, we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look, I'm okay. Humanly speaking, that's what we are like. And so the Galatians wanted to be in that place again. They'd forgotten grace and they'd forgotten the slavery that they'd been brought out of. They wanted to return. Paul wants them to waken up. He says in verse 12, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are, and you did me no wrong. He reminds them that, that he was there preaching the gospel to them, and it, 
Well, it was because he wasn't well. It was a bodily ailment. And we, we reckon that perhaps Paul had something wrong with his eyes. And we see that later in this passage. He says, you, you would have gouged out your eyes and, and given them to me if you could. That's how much you loved me. I was among you and I, and I preached this gospel to you. In verse 14, although I was a trial to you, my condition caused you difficulties. You didn't scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing, this relationship between, between this preacher and between his people? He says, you received me as a burden as I was. You received me and, and treated me like an angel or as Christ himself. What's changed, Galatia? Paul says in verse 15, what's become of your blessedness? Why have you been robbed of this assurance and this love? Why are you seeking to go back the way? What, what has happened? And Paul explains what has happened. He, he points the finger again towards the Judaizers, towards those who are in the church stirring up division, to those men and women who, who are seeking to gather a crowd around and believing my particular slant on things. Paul says, have I become your enemy, verse 16, by telling you the truth? Of course not. Of course not. But these Judaizers, verse 17, they make much of you. But it's not for a good purpose. What they want is that you would make much of them. See that, folks? That is how churches are robbed of their assurance. That is how churches are split and divided. That is how churches believe error and heresy and lie. Because often churches have within them individuals who, who want it to be about me. Make much of me. Follow the way I live. Have your sons circumcised. Follow the days and the dates and the feasts. Do what I say. But, but as Paul says, it's not for a good purpose. It's just so those Judaizers could be front and center. The church of Jesus Christ is not about the individual in the pulpit. And it is not about the Judaizers in the congregation. It is not about those who, who do their business in the corners of the church car park or after the church meetings. The church is not about us. We have been adopted by faith into the family of God. We are part of the bride of Christ, the ancient church of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, today I would urge you, if you've been robbed of your assurance, if you are someone who is questing your faith and wondering, should, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I, I try harder? Am I really saved? Does God really love me? Then flee those in your life who seek to twist and gossip and slander. Flee those in your life who do not lead you into truth, but instead lead you, sometimes perhaps without even knowing it, into error. The church of Christ must always be on her guard. The church of Jesus must always be passionate about the unity of the body and the assurance of the saints of Christ. Paul wishes that he could be among these Galatians. He is perplexed about this whole situation, that they're being swept away by the lies of the enemy as it comes through these well-meaning but self-centered Judaizers. 
Paul says in verse 19, My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Isn't that a startling picture? Now, gents, if you've never had children, I've, I've had three. It is, it is a painful, painful thing to go through. But I've survived it, and I'm still on my two feet, and, and as brave as I've always been. But Paul points us back to that point. He says it's, it's like going through childbirth. Because I want you to grow up in the faith. And that is at the heart, or should be, at the heart of every church. Today I'm preaching to my congregation, this wee church in Ballinahinch. I know there are at least two Presbyterian ministers in the congregation. You never like to see other ministers coming. You're standing there in the welcome center and you're thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't downloaded this sermon this week. Should have written one myself this week and in they come. But I'm sure if both those chaps were up in this pulpit, they would say the same about their fellowships. What do they want to see in this coming year? They want to see their fellowships growing in the faith. Men and women who are growing up to resemble Christ more and more and more. Sometimes I think the, the curse of Presbyterianism in our land is that, that we see men and women who come to know Jesus, but... For the next 40 years, they stay in exactly the same place. They don't submit themselves regularly to the ordinary means of grace. Prayer is something that, that the super spiritualists do. The Bible is something that you dip in and out of occasionally, a verse here and verse there, but we, we don't study it. Folks, I long for this church to grow in the faith. I long for this church to to resemble Christ more and more. I want it for myself and I want it for us so that we will not be swept asunder by the lies of the day and the, the schemes of the enemy dividing and twisting and, and seeking to take us away from the gospel of grace. That's what's going on. And Galatia and Paul wishes to be with them to try and shake them from this slumber. You see, folks, when we come to Christ, there is no turning back. When we come to Christ, we should realize that in him are all the riches of God. When we come to Christ, we should realize that, that we have not found a way, but instead we have found the way. When we come to Christ, he is not an option to tick on a sheet, but he is a savior to embrace by faith, which is a receiving and a resting in him as he is offered in the gospel. See, the Christian life is one of freedom and one of liberty. Freedom from running around always wondering, have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I done enough? The next time two handsome Americans stop you in the street and tell you that they are from the church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, ask them that question. Gentlemen, have you done enough? The next time you see the Jehovah's Witnesses standing down at the marketplace, ask them that question. Have you done enough? The next time you speak to Jennifer Ibrahim and she tells you about how she tries to reach out to Muslim folk in Cairo, that's at the heart of it. Have you done enough? The gospel of grace frees us from that false gospel. And instead of asking constantly, have I done enough? 
fingers crossed, am I good enough, can I be better, can I work harder? Instead, we rest in Christ, who has done enough. It is finished, said Jesus. Not half done, a wee bit done, my bit done, and now it's over to you. It is finished, says Jesus. How could we turn back from such a gospel? See, Paul finishes here by reminding these Galatians of a biblical picture. He tells them the story once again of Abraham and his two sons. One was by a slave woman and one by a free woman. You will know the story. One comes through the will of man, taking matters into his own hands, providing an heir for himself. And Paul says, that is Hagar, Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But you and me, we're on a different mountain. We're not born of the slave woman. Instead, you know the story. You know how the other son came through the promise that God had given to an old man and to an old woman. And you and I, my brothers and sisters, in verse 28, we, like Isaac, are children of promise. It's not a beautiful title to have in your record of achievement. It's not a beautiful statement. See, the Lord does not ask about A-levels or GCSEs or pensions or funeral plans or over 50 life cover or what sphere in society you are, upper class, middle class, lower class. He wants to know what you have done with Jesus. And brothers and sisters, today, for every one of us who have received Christ by faith, we may not feel wonderful today. We may not believe today that we are a Christian worth talking about or writing about. We, we sometimes, in the darkest moments, might even wonder, am I truly saved? That moment that you received Christ, you were adopted into the family of God as a child of promise. And Paul doesn't finish by saying, so go and eat your jelly and ice cream and everything's going to be wonderful. He says, do you know what, child of promise? Your life will be hard. He says that, verse 29. We live in this present time and, and those who are not of the promise will persecute those of us who are. We know that these will be difficult and hard days for Christians. We see that more and more in our society. We see it throughout the world, but it doesn't take away our glorious status that has been won for us by Christ, child of promise. That's you, by faith in Christ, and that's me, by faith in Christ. And so I pray today that there will have been encouragement in this sermon for you. And I pray today as well that for others there'd be a wee bit of challenge. Because some will not be children of promise. Some might be children of Presbyterianism. Some today in our number might even be children of Protestantism because after all those are important things. The Lord does not care and whether or not you are a Presbyterian or a Protestant, the Lord offers salvation to you in the gospel.
the gospel that says Christ died for your sins and was raised from the dead to be saved. That's the message you must believe. And so for you, still in your chains, receive Christ by faith and watch as the Spirit breaks those chains and marvel at how the Lord accepts you into his family by faith in Christ. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free. Amen. And we thank God for his precious word.